morning, everyone. Christ is risen. Amen. Thank you for being here on this joyous day, this beautiful joyous day that our Lord has blessed us with in His glory. For those of you joining us on our online stream this morning, we thank you for being with us as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ, St. Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, makes the following statement. A powerful reminder for me and for you. St. Paul says the following, he says, So stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Stand firm in them. So, this morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we reflect on the gospel lesson of the Samaritan woman, I want to make three points about this gospel lesson. And the first point I want to make is specific to the text itself, that written tradition that St. Paul talks about in his second letter to the Thessalonians. And just as a brief kind of review, if you will, here you have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sitting at the well. It was the sixth hour, it was the heat of the day, and here comes the woman of Samaria, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Now you have to realize 2,000 years ago, that was scandalous. That was unheard of. Men did not talk to women. Especially Jewish people didn't talk to the women of Samaria. Because the Samaritans were despised by the Jewish people. Why? Because the Samaritans, hundreds of years prior, had intermingled with the Assyrians. I believe it was the Assyrians, right? I think it was with the Assyrians. And the Assyrians being of a pagan culture, the Jewish people at that time integrated Jewish pagan, I mean pagan traditions rather into the Jewish culture. They practiced what I call today smorgasbord religion, you know. You take a little bit of this from here, you take a little bit of this from here, you take a little bit of that from there, and you put it all together to call it faith. So the Jewish people had no dealings with the Samaritans, they considered them the, the lowest of the low. So here is Jesus asking the woman of Samaria for a drink of water. And what is the woman of Samaria? She's response to Jesus, Lord, you're asking me this question? How is it that you, a Jewish person, is asking of me, is talking to me, a, a woman, and asking me for a drink of water? And then what does Jesus say to her? He says, if you knew the water that I was going to give you, if you knew the water that I would give you, you would have asked for this water, and if you took of this water, you will never thirst again. If you drink of this water in the well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. And all of a sudden, her heart started kind of turning. She said, Lord, give me this water that I didn't come here to drink or draw. Now, of course, Jesus, in making reference to the water, is making reference to what? Remember? Previous service, the Holy Spirit. He was talking about giving her the Holy Spirit. 
But before he could transform her life by bestowing upon her the Holy Spirit, she had to come to terms with the reality of her life. So what does Jesus say to her? He says to her, go call your husband. And she says in response, I have no husband. And he says, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man you're with now is currently not your husband. <laughs> you know? I mean, he really, right? But now look at this. Look how beautiful this is. He didn't condemn her. He didn't scold her. He just confronted her with the truth of love. And as he confronted her with the truth of love, he began to transform her heart. And she went to the people of her town and told the people of her town about who Jesus was, this person who she perceived to be a prophet. <laughs> Could this be the Messiah? And Jesus said to her, yes, I believe I'm speaking to a king. And the people of the town were convicted because they came to Jesus and they saw and they heard and they were convicted in the hearts that truly he is the Messiah. Someone. And that's where the written tradition leaves us, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So now I get to the second, which is the oral tradition and what our faith teaches us about the Samaritan. We know to be Saint Fortini, which is the Enlightened. She had sisters, five of them. She had two sons. Both of them became Christians. And over the next few years, the entire family would become incredibly famous witnesses for Christ throughout the world. In fact, their witness began in a place called Carthage, where one of St. Fotini's sons, Victor, was a general for the Roman army. And he ended up converting the military commander in Carthage. And of course, this enraged Nero, who had just begun his famous persecution of Christians, which included, of course, the martyrdom of Saints Peter and Paul. So what did Nero do? He summoned St. Fotini and her family to Rome and asked them if they would be followers of Christ. And of course, they Nero, of course, proceeded to torture Fotini and her family members so that she would relent, but she did not. So each tactic Nero do, he tried to change his approach. If he couldn't beat their faith out of them, he would try something else. So what did he do? He sent Fotini into a room full of gold and silver. And he sent his own domina to try and convert the Holy Saint away from the faith. And the attempt failed miserably. And I was grateful to need a Christian. And she was given the name Amthusa. So Nero, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he struck out again. <laughs> and of course he was furious. And rage overcame him. So what happened to St. Fotini eventually is she was thrown down a well and as she was thrown down the well, that's when she gave up her spirit to God and became a martyr. 
And in fact, her family members became martyrs for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's the beautiful thing. These stories about St. Lothamia and her family spread throughout the then world. And many came to believe in Christ because of their witness. Because of their witness. And this is what the oral tradition of the church teaches us. So we have the written tradition, the scripture, that tells us about St. Fotini's encounter with Christ at the well, the woman of Samaria who became Fotini, approaching Christ at the well. And then we have the oral tradition that teaches about the life of St. Fotini and what she and her family endured, which is not in the written word, is very much a part of the tradition of our faith. Third and final point. So what is this scripture verse of St. Fotini, my brothers and sisters in Christ, have to do with me and you, and how can it affect our lives? How does it affect our lives? How does it transform our lives? Think about St. Fotini at the well and the conversation that our Lord had with her. When he confronted her about her sinful life, what didn't she do? She didn't flee in shame. She didn't flee from the uncomfortable truth of who she was. As one of my brother priests so beautifully writes, and I want to share part of his reflection on this gospel verse, Father the Masters, and I quote just briefly from his writings on this gospel pericope, he says, Too many of us define ourselves by our failings, weaknesses, and temptations. Too many of us accept some unrealistic cultural standard of the good life as the norm we must meet in order to feel self-worth and worthwhile. Thank God St. Fultonie, the great martyr, did none of that. In response to her shocking encounter with the Savior, she humbly acknowledged the truth about her brokenness. And she did not react defensively, nor did she make excuses. She did not end the conversation or run away in shame. Instead, she was open to the healing of her soul, to the possibility of a new and restored life through the mercy of the Lord. And this was such a great blessing to her that she immediately shared the good news with the people of her village and refused to stop, even to the point of laying down her life as a martyr. So, my brothers and sisters of Christ, there's a beautiful, powerful lesson for you and me, for you and I here. To not flee from shame in the context of whatever brokenness we may have. But like St. Fontaine, to approach it with faith in Christ and know that our life can be transformed in His holy name. Because as He transformed death to life, so He can transform our brokenness into healing, into wholeness, into the glory of God. We cannot let paralyze, we cannot let guilt and shame, my brothers and sisters in Christ, ever paralyze us, ever. Because all the challenges we have in life, that I have in life, that you have in life, point us to the resurrection of Christ, point us to our Lord, point us to the abundance of His blessings, point us to the abundance of His compassion, my brothers and sisters of Christ. That through the resurrection of the empty tomb, my life and your life may be transformed in His holy name. So I leave you this morning with this thought. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, was, when he was talking about the water that he would give her, that she would never thirst again. 
He was talking about the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Remember last week in the sermon, the thoughts I shared with you, I was talking about how the gospel lessons from now until Pentecost point us toward the Holy Spirit. Be listening for the implications of the Holy Spirit in the gospel lessons of today, of last Sunday with the paralyzed man, and the Sundays to come as we approach Pentecost. As we wait, as we wait to receive the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, my brothers in Christ, it is in the Holy Spirit that our lives are transformed. It is in the Holy Spirit that we are forgiven. It is in the Holy Spirit that we grow in our faith. It is in the Holy Spirit my brothers in Christ, that we too, like St. Bokini, can become witnesses in our life, from our brokenness to our fullness, from our brokenness to our healthfulness, if, I can, if that's a word. <laughs> and we may be, like St. Bokini, equal to the Apostle. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we reflect on the life of St. Bokini, we are thankful, we are so thankful for that written tradition, which is the Word of God. We were also thankful for the oral tradition, which is just as powerful and just as important as the written tradition. Because through that we learn and knew and know about the life of this beautiful saint and be able to live our lives accordingly in imitation of her, that we may glorify God, the empty tomb, and the resurrected world, and all that we do for now and to eternity. Amen. Christ is risen. Amen.